Okay, good morning. Welcome everyone. Brooklyn Abam, thanks for bearing with me. Parashas Balak. We have really amazing material. And uh, I believe that this will revolutionize our understanding, not only of this week's parasha, but of Torah in general, Chumash in general. And even though I like to use the word revolutionize uh, a lot, in fact, my three-year-old, one of his first three words he knew how to say was the word revolutionize. He knew daddy, mommy, and revolutionize. But that's okay. This one is really revolutionary. Bruchem uh, to the Kolel Agar the Perka of Kigarn Hills and wherever uh, you're listening from. Okay, so there's an interesting phenomenon that is observed by the Chafetz Chaim in this week's parsha, and that is in Torah in general, there are parshiyos. Within the parsha of what we call parsha, Bereshis Nayach Lecha Chavayira, within the parsha, there are what are called parshiyos. Parsha Psucha, Parsha Stuma. Parsha Psucha is when a subject ends and then the next subject begins on the next line. And Parsha Susuma is when it begins four spaces later. And lo and behold, for the majority of Parshas Balak, until the end of the Parsha, until close to the end of the Parsha, it's one continuous run-on narrative without any pays, without any samachs. There are no Psuchais, there are no Stumais. It's the longest run-on narrative in the Chumash. Why are there no Pays and Samachs in the narrative of Balak and Bilam. And the Chavetz Chaim said as follows, he said a Musar idea, and the Chavetz Chaim says, and Rabbi Schwab explained as well, that a human being has been endowed basically with uh, five senses, sight, smell, taste, hearing, touch. However, there is an additional sense that it is very important for a person to maintain the acuteness of this sense, because this sense is in danger of being jaded and dulled, and that is the sense of being nisragesh unispoel. The sense of being impressed, of being surprised and enamored with something. Being nispoel from a sunrise, from a sunset, from a lightning, from a storm, from the beauty of nature, from unusual occurrences. However, Bilam Harasha, he was not Nispoel, he was not Nisarashem. Where do we see that? He's going on his way, God told him don't go, he went. And all of a sudden, Bilam hears a drasha. Who's giving Bilam a drasha? A donkey. A donkey is giving Bilam a drasha. Most people if they're riding a donkey or if they're driving their car and all of a sudden their car will, I don't know, nowadays people's cars talk to them. But if your animal starts talking to you, most people would be, <gasps> what? Say what? Was that you? People would look around. What's going on? People would, would be startled, surprised. Maybe somebody would faint. No, but Bilam's heart was so coated and covered and jaded that he was not Nisbal, he was not Nisragish, not only that, he didn't flinch. He spoke back to his donkey like nothing happened. And the reason for that is Bilam lived his life headlong. He ran through life without pausing to contemplate where he's headed and what is expected of him. And that is symbolized, says the Chavetz Chaim, in the phenomenon that Parshas Bilam, Parshas Balak, does not have any psuchais ustumais, 
because Bilam never took that moment to be misboining where he's headed and where he's going. But we would like to offer a, a new interpretation today regarding this unusual phenomenon that there are no psuchais and stumais in Parshas Balak. Comes the Gemara in Baba Basra on Daf Yudalid on the base number two on the sheet. The Gemara in Baba Basra is discussing the Chavdalid Sifrei Tanakh, the 24 books of the Tanakh, and who wrote them, who offered them. And the, um, the Gemara goes on to say, says the Holy Gemara, Umi Kasvan, Moshe Kasvan, Moshe wrote them. Umi Kasvan, Moshe Kasav Sifrei, Moshe wrote his book, Uparshas Bilam, and the Parsha of Bilam, Ve'iyoiv, and the Parsha of, and the Sefer of Ve'iyoiv. Now, I understand what it means Moshe wrote his book, Tairas Moshe, he wrote the Chumash. I understand what it means Moshe wrote Sefer Eoiv. Moshe was the writer, the uh, scribe of Sefer Eoiv. When uh, Chazal say that in Mitzrayim, Klal Yisrael on Shabbos were Mishdashaya with their Megillois, they learned their scrolls. What did Klal Yisrael learn in Mitzrayim? Says of Yaakov Kamenetsky, they learned Sefer Eoiv. They learned the subject of Tzadik Viraloi. That is what gave Klal Yisrael consolation in Mitzrayim, the book that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote. And Eoiv is a very appropriate book for Moshe. After all, he was the leader of the people who a righteous people who are suffering and brutalized by the hands of the Mitzrayim. But what does it mean, Parshas Bilam? Why are we speci- um, specifying Parshas Bilam? Says Rashi. Nivuasai, the prophecy of Bilam, Umashalav and his parables. Afal Even though they are not needed by Moshe, Vitairasai, or needed by the Torah, the Seder Ma'asav, or the order of his actions. In other words, Parshas Bilam is sort of outside of the realm of what is needed by the Torah, and therefore it is singled out that Moshe wrote his book, as well as Parshas Bilam. And this is very difficult, this is uh, very uh, mysterious. Why would the Gemara single out that Moshe wrote, you know what he wrote? He wrote his Sefer and he wrote Parshas Bilam. Why didn't he say, he wrote his Sefer and he wrote Parshas Yisroi. He wrote his Sefer and he wrote Parshas Tazriya. He wrote his Sefer and Parshas Vayigash. Why Dafka Parshas Bilam? Why Parshas Bilam? In the back of the Shasachuvas Maharil Diskin or Rabbi Shulay Diskin, so as not to leave the back few pages empty, so they record a, a wondrous a mamar that Rabbi Shulay Diskin said a, as a, uh, on the occasion of a Siyam Hatayra, and this was given in Lamja in the year Tafresh Yud Beis, that is the year six, uh, 1852, Shabbos Kodesh Parshas in Lamja, Rabbi Shulay Diskin we lived from 1817 to 1893, one of the all-time great Goine Yisrael. He held rabbinic posts in Lamja, in Kavna, in Shklov, in Brisk, and in 1877 he settled in Yushalayim. He wrote three volumes of Shal Sachubos. He wrote Toiras Oyomoyed, Likute Amorim, and he took a very um, antagonistic approach toward the irreligious who were trying to build the land. Um, and he was a, a very compassionate Roya Neman to uh, many Agunais. 
one of the all-time brilliant minds, he says Rashi is madchik to say that Parshas Bilam, it's not really part of the Torah because it's just stories and mashalim and melitzais. What does Rashi mean? It's not really part of the Torah. Doesn't the Gemara say in Chelak that even one letter of the Torah, if somebody undermines it, if someone puts it down, he's called an Apikoras. Menashe was Pakar in Agadeta, and therefore he is a Apikoras. And the Rambam Paskins that the Kedusha of the Yasser Saderois is on par with the Tevach Gacha Macha. They're all the same. So in what way is Parshas Bilam any less Torah than the rest of the Torah? I would add a second question. I'm not sure we're going to have an answer to this, but why is it called Parshas Bilam? That's not the name of the Parsha. This week's Parsha is Parshas Balak. Not Parshas Bilam. There's no Parsha in the Torah, Parshas Bilam. And I believe the Ritva will answer this question, but ultimately we're going to be using the approach of Rabbi Shulayb Diskin. I'll ask you another question. If you look through the Torah and you wanted to know, what does God feel about the Jewish people? Uh, God is not so pleased with us. We're Am Kishay Oiref, we're stiff neck, we're brazen, we're Ada uh, Hara, we're we're um, complainers, we're argu- argumentative. The Torah doesn't have that many good things to say about us, other than the fact that we sinned, and that we complained, and that we're stiff-necked, and that we're brazen. But there are not too many complimentary things in the Torah. Which parsha is the most complimentary parsha in the Torah? By far, by far, it's this week's parsha, Parshas Balak. Ma toivu oihalecha Yaakov. Mi mana afar Yaakov. Uh, where the, the Pasuk says, Veroiva es misar Yisrael. Tomois nafshi, mois yusharim, usihi acharisi kamayu. Parshas Bilam, Parshas Balak, is the most complimentary parsha in the Torah. Why would that be? That of all the parshas in the Torah, the only parsha that offers us some kind and complimentary words, is Parshas Bilam. Well, so I remember many years ago, Harav Avigdor Miller, Zechotak Levracha, explained that if it would have said, Klal Yisrael, we itim and we do chesed, and we're shoimer pivul shoineinu, we would have said, okay, who's saying that already? God? Yeah, he's our, he's, he's our God. Moshe Rabbeinu, he's our leader. You know, it's, uh, it's rigged, it's fixed. It's nepotism. So it wouldn't have that much value. But out of the mouth of our biggest enemy, so then you know it's really true. So to, for it to have the most uh, compelling nature, Hashem made sure that it came from the mouth of Bilam. But we're going to explain perhaps another reason, um, a deeper reason, why this week's parsha is the only parsha really that uh, extols the accolades of the Jewish people. Comes the Ritva. The Ritva is quoted in the Ein Yaakov, and the Ein Yaakov, quoting the Ritva, says that when the Gemara says that it's Parshas Bilam, Niran Divrei Ha'oimrim She'ein Zu Parshas Bilam Shiksuva Batayra, says the Ritva. This seems to be in accordance with the opinion that 
when the Gemara says Parshas Bilam, it is not referring to the Parshas Bilam that's in the Chumash, because that God wrote, like the rest of the Torah. What do you mean, Moshe Kasev? Hashem wrote the whole Torah. Rather, says the Ritva, there was a separate Parsha. And in Parshas Bilam, it wrote the, the rest of the story. Because in, if you read Parshas Balak, we don't really know the details of Bilam's sorcery and the carbonoids that Balak brought and the conversations that took place between Bilam and Balak and the money that Balak sent to Bilam and the methods of witchcraft that Bilam used. We just know the Rashi Prakim, the, the chapter headings of the story. But there was a very uh, extended edition and a volume that spoke in length, at length, about all the details of the story, the rest of the story. And that book, which is known not as Parshas Balak, but as Parshas Bilam, was written by none other than Moshe Rabbeinu. In fact, the Shlah HaKadosh quotes the Tziyuni. There's a Sefer on Chumash of one of the Rishonim, Rav Menachem Tziyuni of Shpira, that was published in the year 1560, a very controversial work. Actually, Rav Moshe Feinstein has a tshuva on this work. And the Tziyuni also is bothered. What does the Gemara mean? Moshe Kasav Sifroi, Parshas Bilam. And he says, Yitoi na toyein v'haloi, Parshas Bilam, B'chlal ha-Torah, Parshas Bilam is part of the Torah. But my Chiddush, what's the Chiddush v'haloi, Dover Yaduhu. We know, Shekol ha-Torah, from Bereshis until Enek Kol Yisrael, is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. To Moshe Rabbeinu, why do we have to single out Parshas Bilam? Says it, Siyuni, you should know that in this week's parsha it's written, Bekitzer, the story in the episode of Bilam and his prophecy. And it says, at sure in very Bekitzer, his Kisamim, the same way, right? The Gemara tells us that Avram Avinu had a Sefer Avodah that had 400 Prakim. So too, there was a very big book about Bilam. And because I ask you, friends, what kind of rat tails did Bilam put in his big stew to create his witchcraft? What kind of broomstick did Bilam fly on? How many horsepower did it have? How many bristles did it have? How did he fly with those other kings? What kind of kishif did he use? What what kind of uh, hat? What kind of potion did he use? We don't know all the exact details of the sorcery and kishuf of Bilam and all the details of the story. There was a more extended book that was written by none other than Moshe Rabbeinu. And it was never canonized. It was never part of the rest of the Chumash. But there were many books written by... Or I'll give you an example. There's something called Sefer Hayitzira. It was written by Avraham Avinu. It's attributed to Avraham Avinu. Is that, is that Chumash? No. It's not part of Tanakh. What do you mean it was written by Avram Avinu? Well, not every book written by Nevi'im or uh, even Moshe Rabbeinu was part of the Torah. So Moshe wrote a big book. It's called The Book of Bilam. It was a bestseller for a while. Right now it's out of stock. It's out of print. Maybe one day it will become available. But uh, And that's what the Gemara is referring to. Moshe Kasaf Sifroi Uparshas Bilam. By the way, comes Rabbi Yeshua Mikutna in the Kuntris Ma'at Tsuri, Rabbi Shulam Mikutna was Nifter in 1853. My great-great-grandfather was a student of Rabbi Shulam Mikutna in Poland, and 
helped publish the Sefer Yeshua's Malkai. Says Rabbi Shulam, we could not, based on this Tziyuni, uh, we could answer a very difficult Rambam. The Rambam says, the Rambam is describing various types of Kaifrim. The Rambam says, someone who's Makchish the Torah, and someone who's Makchish Nevuasoy Shalmaisha. Someone who denies, contravenes the Torah, and someone who's, who's Makchish the Nevuah of Moshe Rabbeinu. So Rabbi Shulam, come and ask, what do you mean? That's already listed. That's already a Kaifer Batayra. The Torah is the Nevuah of Moshe. What are these two categories, the Torah and the Nevuah of Moshe? Well, says Rabbi Shulam, maybe it means before the Torah was canonized and it was Nigmar and it was Nechtam, well, if you lived in the Midbar and you didn't believe in Moshe's Nevuah, were you an Apikaris, then you can't say you're a Kaifer in the Torah because the Torah was not really uh, sealed yet. So maybe when the Rambam says, Hamakchish Nevuasa Shalmoisha, he refers to one who lived in the Midbar before the Torah was canonized. He said, no, why would the Rambam be telling me halachas for the Midbar? We don't live in the Midbar, right? You know that? You're aware of that? That we already left the Midbar many thousands of years ago? We no longer live in the Midbar. So why would the Rambam be telling me about halachas for the Midbar? Oh, says Yeshua's Malkoi, based on the Tziyuni, maybe... What the Rambam is saying, what if someone is a koifer in Sefer Eoiv? Or what if someone is a koifer in this Sefer of Bilam that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote? It's not Torah! But it's the prophecy of Moshe. If someone is a koifer in the Navi Yeshaya, he's not a koifer but Torah. But if someone is a koifer in Sefer Eoiv, he's not a koifer but Torah, but he's a koifer in the Navua of Moshe, and he would be a full-fledged koifer. However, says Rabbi Shulab, says Rabbi Shulab Diskin, in his humble opinion, that cannot be what the Gemara is referring to, because that Gemara in Baba Basra is not talking about books that were written. It's talking about books of Tanakh. It's saying, who wrote the books of Tanakh? So you can't say Parshas Bilam is some book that's out of print, that was never canonized as part of Tanakh. The whole Sugi in Baba Basra is dealing with uh, the books of Tanakh. Okay, I want to interrupt the um, this subject just for a little, a small vart on the pasuk Vayan Bilam Vayoimar Lo Yucha Laavar Aspi Hashem. I cannot violate the word of God. Elaykai Laasos Ketana Oigedayla to violate it in a small way or violate it in a great way. Says the Gra. Well, if you can't violate God in a small way, certainly. You cannot violate it in a great way. So what is the meaning of Bilaam's words? I can't violate God a little bit or a lot. Obviously, if you can't violate a little, you can't violate a lot. However, we could explain as follows. The Medrash says, Vayosem Hashem davar b'fi Bilaam. It's One opinion says, he, Hashem put a hook in his mouth. And one opinion says, Hashem took out words from his mouth. This is what it means, Ma Ezoim Loizoam Hashem. Loizoam Ma. So either God added words or God took away words. So what is the meaning over here? God added or God took away?
So the gross is as follows. We all know that God has two names, Elohim and Hashem Havaya. Those are two primary names. Elohim is Midas Hadin, Havaya is Midas Rachamim. Keol, that comes from Elohim, is Rachamim. Like it says, Chesed Keol Kol Hayon. Ka, that comes from Shem Havaya, is Midas Hadin. So the first thing Bilam wanted to do is he wanted to curse Hashem with Elohim. So what did God do? He put a hook in his mouth. Ma What? How can I curse if God doesn't let me curse? I wanted to say like him. God turned it to Kel. So then Bilam says, okay, maybe I'll curse with the Yud K, which is also Minas Adin. So then the Malach added words, Vav K, and it became Uma Ezaim Loizoam Hashem. So that's what Bilam meant. I can't do not Gedoyla and not Kitana. Okay, so I can't violate the Pi Hashem, Kitana or Gedoyla, either to make Kitana out of Yudke Vavke, and to say Ka, or Gedoyla to be Mekalel B'Shem Eloikim. Okay, so now I want to present to you the amazing approach of Rabbi Shuala Diskin. Mamish, a Goinistika approach. This approach is so fundamental and important that Rav Shach in the Aviezri, when he is explaining what Nevuah is, he says in order to understand Nevuah, you must understand the great principle of Rabbi Shuleib Diskin, and he is Ma'atek, he copies this whole piece word for word, and he says there's nothing more that needs to be added, each word is so precious, and Rav Shach adds one little thought to it. Rav Shuleib Diskin um, mentioned some other questions. And that is, the Pasuk says, V'loikam navi k'mosheh. There was never a prophet like Moshe. V'loikam b'Yisrael navi k'mosheh. There was never among the Jewish people a prophet like Moshe. Which implies, there was never a prophet among the Jewish people. But among the Gentiles, there was a prophet. Umay nihu bilam. Which implies that bilam was somehow on par with Moshe Rabbeinu. How could such a thing be? Bilam, the guy was a, uh, a low life. He lived with his donkey. Even the editors of the New York Times wouldn't, wouldn't do that. Bilam was even a lower madrega than, uh, I don't know. But he definitely would rival the lowest of the low. And he is considered, he is reckoned as equal to Moshe Rabbeinu. Furthermore, we know there's a concept that Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy was greater than any other Navi because Moshe Rabbeinu prophesied in what is called Asbaklaria Hamira, a clear prism. What exactly is this clear prism? You know, the Gemara says Moshe was Misnave the Asbaklaria Hamira. Other Navim were Misnave the Asbaklaria Sheinam Ira. The Gra even says that there are different levels of Asbaklaria Sheinam Ira. The Nevi'im Rishonim were Me'ira Sheba'ina Me'ira. And the Nevi'im Achorinim were Eina Me'ira Sheba'ina Me'ira. So we have to try to understand what exactly is this prism with which Nevi'im would prophesy with. And let's get the following idea. God did not come to a Navi and tell a Navi, Hey Navi, here, read this. I wrote you a message of uh, 400 words 
And that's what you need to go do. God doesn't give words to the Navi. A Navi sees an image. A Navi sees a picture. Look at number 11, the Rambam, Hilchos Yisoy Dei Atayra, Perek Zayin Halacha Gimel. Hadvarim Shomaydiyan L'Navi B'mar HaNavuah. The matters which are related to the Navi in the image of Navuah, Derech Mashal, Maydiyan Lai, they tell him as a parable. Umiyad Yichakek B'libay Pisrain HaMashal B'mar HaNavuah V'yaydea Mahu. The Navi is told a vision, and then the interpretation of the vision is engraved and you and carved on the Navi's nefesh. In other words, the Navi has an intuition of the meaning of the Navuah. For example, Yaakov Avinu saw a sulam with angels going up and down. So, friends, if you saw a ladder in a dream going up and down, what would you say that it means? Oh, I would interpret I should go up to my roof because my lost wiffle ball must have gone up onto the roof and then bring it down. Or I need to start, I need to become a roofer. Or I need to jump up and down. Because Yaakovina wasn't told the, the meaning of this vision. He saw a ladder with angels going up and down. And it was a mushal to the Malchios and their Shibud. So Yaakov Avinu saw a vision and then he had an intuition of what the meaning of the vision was. For example, the ladder that Yaakov Avinu saw, uh, for another example, Yechezkel saw the Chayos, or he saw a bubbling pot, or he saw a blossoming almond branch. So he saw the almond branch, but he didn't know what it meant. He had an intuition that it meant the impending Chorben. Or Yecheskel saw a Megillah. Or Zechariah saw a brazier. And all the other Nevi'im, they saw uh, an image and they had to interpret it. Sometimes they didn't even see an image. Sometimes they only had an intuition of the interpretation. Sometimes they only saw the image without an intuition of the interpretation. Okay, so... This is the process of prophecy. For all you aspiring and novice prophets out there, the method of prophecy is you see a picture and then you have an intuition of the meaning. That intuition is illuminated. That intuition is perceived on a prism. Now, is the prism... Clean and clear? No, it's not. Only Moshe Rabbeinu had an absolutely clear prism. However, other Nevi'im, as great as they were, they are human beings, and therefore their prism was tainted. Does that mean their their uh, interpretation of the prophecy was not accurate? Absolutely not. I'll give you a mashal. Let's say you're watching this. Um, let's say you're watching this shear on Zoom. How many people are actually watching this year on Zoom? I don't know. At least two people I know are watching. Three people are watching this year. Everybody else's name is watching this year. Hopefully you're behind the screen as well. But it's okay. We could still be friends. But So you're looking at me. Do you see me clearly? You see me pretty clearly. What if I tainted the screen green? What if I tainted the screen green? Then... Would you see me clearly or unclearly? 
you would still see me absolutely clearly, but it would be tainted green. Or if the screen was blue, you would still see me accurately with a a blue tinge or a blue hue. Or let's say the screen was orange, it would still be accurate. That is the concept of Aspaklaria She'ina Me'ira. Namely, that the other Nevi'im, because they were human beings, and they had their own identity, and they had their own entity, and they were a personality, and they were a person, and they were a human being, and they were not on the level of humility of Moshe Rabbeinu. Nevertheless, they saw a ladder, and then God shone onto the prism of their soul the, intuit, the interpretation of the meaning of that image. However, it was yun, it was colored based on their own personality. That's why ein shnei neviyim esnavim besignoin echad. Yeshaya and Yermia could see, could see the same picture and have the same intuition, but it's slightly colored based on their own personality. But Moshe Rabbeinu, he was such an anav, he had no yeshus, he had no anoichi, that his prism was so he had no ego at all. His prism was crystal clear. There was no you. There was no color based on his own personality. That is what it means that Moshe Rabbeinu's uh, prophecy was on the level of Asbaklaria Hamiira. Now comes Rabbi Shua Leib Diskin. All the prophecy in the Torah, God came to Moshe and he said, Moshe, here's the picture. And I'm telling you crystal clear, your intuition of the meaning of the prophecy. It is not colored, it is not coded, it is not shaded, it is not yun. Here's the problem. There's a man by the name of Bilam. If Bilam's going to get Nevuah, his nefesh is so grimy, so slimy, so then you're not going to see an image colored. You're just going to see slime and grime. There's not going to be an accurate interpretation. It's going to be a distorted, perverted interpretation. So therefore, listen to what happened. Let me ask you a question. Who was the greater Navi? Moshe Rabbeinu or Avraham Avinu? Certainly Moshe Rabbeinu. If somebody says that Moshe Rabbeinu was as was as great as Avram Avinu, what do you call a person like that? A heretic. He's not Bikaris. What makes the Torah Torah is the Nevuah of Moshe Rabbeinu, the crystal clear intuition of Moshe Rabbeinu. So then, why are Parshiyos Lech Lecha, Vayera, Chayisara, Toldos, why is it Torah? Those were the prophecies of Moshe Rabbeinu, of Avram Avinu, Yitzchak Yaakov. They were not um, Nevi'im on the level of Moshe, their level of Nevuah was not capable of rendering it Torah. The answer is, all the prophecies that were said to Avraham, Noyach, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, not, Moshe didn't just write it in the Torah. If Moshe would have wrote it in the Torah, it wouldn't have been Torah. Because if Moshe is just writing down what he heard, that would not be Torah. Moshe had to receive his own independent prophecy about everything that transpired before he lived, so that he saw the image and he had the intuition on his pure soul, so that what renders Sefer Barashas Torah is not because Moshe Rabbeinu was copying over tradition, but he himself had all of those nevuah, and through his clear prism, he made a Torah! 
But there's one part of Torah that Moshe was not needed to make it Torah. There's one chilek of Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu was only needed to write the words. But it already, in other words, when Hashem told Avraham to Shech Yitzchak at the Akedah, is that Torah? No. It's only Torah because Moshe saw B'Nevuah that Hashem told Avraham to take Yitzchak and bring him over to the Akedah. Because if Moshe wouldn't have seen it, then it could not have been Torah. Because just because Moshe wrote it, that doesn't make it Torah. It's only Torah if Moshe sees it through, he sees the image and he has the intuition on his clear nefesh. But there's one chilek of Torah that we don't need Moshe Rabbeinu to make it Torah. It was Torah without Moshe, says Rabbi Shuleib Diskin. And that is Parshas Bilam. Because Parshas Bilam, Hashem could not give Bilam a image and then allow Bilam to interpret it because his soul was so slimy and grimy that he would distort and pervert the message of Hashem that the, that the interpretation which would have shown on his nefesh would have been so green and red and distorted that it would have been perverted. So you know what Hashem did to Bilam? Hashem said to Bilam, Here are the words I am scripting to you. Raw Torah. Straight from me. Ma toivu oihalecha Yaakov mishkaisach Yisrael. There are no pictures, there are no intuitions, there's no interpretation. Parshas Bilam is Torah without Moshe. It's the only chilek of Torah that we don't need Moshe. Moshe is needed for us to have an intuition on a clear prism of an image. But Hashem could not trust Bilam with such a mission because Bilam would distort it. So Hashem had to give him the precise words. The way Reb Chaim Brisker says it in the Sefer Torah Chaim on this week's parasha, page Kuf Lamed to Kuf Lamed Beis, that Hashem was able to trust Moshe Rabbeinu with an oral message to give over accurately, but with Balak, with Bilam, he had to give him the words itself. If you have, a king has two messengers. One messenger he trusts. So he goes to the messenger. Hey, Beryl, go say the blue bird flies over the red sky. And the king could trust his erstwhile messenger to deliver the message loyally. But if he has a guy who is unworthy and dishonest, the king writes the message word for word. He ties it up in a bow and a ribbon. He puts it in a box. He locks it up. And he says, do me a favor. Don't touch this. Just deliver it. Just give the words. That is Parshas Bilam. Bilam are the raw words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu with no intermediary. The rest of the Torah is the Torah of Hashem through the Aspaklarya Hameira of Moshe Rabbeinu. Not so Parshas Bilam. Parshas Bilam, we, didn't, we don't have a, a, a middleman. Parshas Bilam, there's no intermediary. Parshas Bilam is the direct words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and Bilam is just saying what they are. 
in a, in a certain sense, the rawest Torah that we have, the Torah which is most direct from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is Parshas Dalam. Where the words themselves were given precisely without the need for the Asbaklari Hamira Moshe Rabbeinu. Why? Because Hashem couldn't trust Bilam. This is what it means that Hashem, that among Klal Yisrael there was never a Navi like Moshe, but among the Umay Sa'ilam there was. Because not that Bilam was a great person, not that Bilam had a great level of prophecy inherently, it's because of his unworthiness and his his the discoloration of his nefesh, that God could not trust him, could not leave up to him any level of interpretation, and he had to give him the precise words. So I would like to suggest that the reason you're not going to find any complimentary um, attitudes or niceties in the rest of the Torah is because you'll say, well, you know, at the end of the day, this came from Moshe Rabbeinu, and Moshe Rabbeinu, maybe in his love for the Jewish people, his aspaklaria somehow colored and affected the uh, the niceties. And anyway, this is uh, through a middleman. The Torah of Moshe is through a middleman. But if you want to know what God really thinks, the only way to know is to hear the words of Hashem that were not in any way interpreted or given over through anybody, if you want to know the raw words and feelings of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's only one parsha that we have access to it, and we could, so to speak, encounter the raw emotion of HaKadosh Baruch Hu toward Klal Yisrael, and that is this week's parsha, Ma Toivu Oihalecha Yaakov, Mi Mana Afar Yaakov. Kelavi Yakum, who is like the Jewish people? Talis, Tfilin, Shachris, Shilua, uh, Kisoi Hadam, Efer Para Aduma, Tznios, Tfila. That these are the raw words of Hakadosh Baruch Hu Himself. Comes Rav Shach, and Rav Shach says in Hilchos Deos, Parak Zayin Halachavav where he is matik, all the words of the Maril Diskin, and he says, There's nothing to add. But, Now I can understand the challenge of the Akedah. Because Rav Shach is bothered. What's the big challenge of the Akedah? That he was willing to slaughter his son? Of course he's willing, because guess who came and told him to do it? God told him to do it. So if God told him to do it, what exactly is the Nisayon? What is the challenge? Says Rav Shach, Avram never, Avinu never heard Hashem say, take your son. Avram Avinu didn't hear the words, kach no es bincha, es yechidcha, asher ahavta, es yitzchak. God never said those words to Avraham. Avraham saw a picture. And then the intuition he had because the interpretation was shown on his nefesh. And if in his soul there was even a negia koshu, 
if he had any bias, if he had any prejudice, if he had any desire to do his own will and not to do the will of Hashem, then the interpretation never would have came out that, oh, you know what God is telling me? He would have interpreted it. God said, would say, go give your son a hug, give your son a kiss, and take him to the cheder and teach him Torah. The only way Avraham was able to interpret the picture that God put into his nefesh as meaning to Shechtim is because Avraham Avinu was kemad on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu where his aspaklaria was, it was Eina Meira, but it was as close to the perfection of Meira of Moshe Rabbeinu that you could possibly find. That was the Nisayin of the Akedah. For Avraham Avinu to maintain a unprejudiced, unbiased nefesh without any self-desire to be able to interpret the nevuah of the Akedah accurately. So therefore, says Rabbi Shulei Diskin, Moshe is not needed for Parshas Bilam. Because, listen to uh, how Rabbi Chaim says it as well, for Parshas Bereshis to be Torah, you know what made Parshas Bereshis Torah? Not because Adam told Noach that God created the world, and then Noach told Avraham, and then Avraham told his children, and it was passed on to Moshe. Parshas Bereshis is Torah because Moshe saw it Benavua. Parshas Noach is Torah because Moshe saw it Benavua. Moshe effectuated, he shafted, he created it, he gave it the status of Torah. But what gives Parshas Bilam the status of Torah? Bilam. Bilam's Navua. Parshas Bilam is Navua even without Moshe. So you'll ask. So then, what role does Moshe have in Parshas Bilam? And that's exactly the Baba Basra. Umi Kasvan, who wrote the Tanakh. Moshe Kasab Sifroi. Moshe wrote his book. U Parshas Bilam. For Parshas Bilam, you're right. We don't need Moshe to make a Torah. We only need Moshe to be the scribe. The same way he is the scribe for Sefer Yoiv. So in a way, there is one parsha in the Torah that is Torah without Moshe. And that is what Rav Chaim Brisker says. Parshas Bilam, Moshe Nechshev, as Torah, Gam Koydem Shemoshe Kasva. On the other hand, the Chassam Soifer writes that there is another difference between Parshas Bilam and every other parsha in the Torah. Every other parsha in the Torah, let's say Kabbalah Satoira, there are 600,000 men between 20 and 60 stood around Sinai, witnessed God give us the Torah. There are 3 million Jews who saw it, all the miracles of the desert, the Mun, the Be'er, Anani HaKavoyed, the Slav, we were all witnesses. We all saw HaKadosh Baruch Hu give the Torah to the Jewish people on Har Sinai. We all saw the miracles. And even the stories of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, says Achsam Soifer, they happened to the Avais, and they related to their children and their grandchildren from Adam to Noach to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Levi to... Amram, to Kahas, to Amram, to Moshe. However, there is one episode in the Chumash that 
we didn't see. And we have no tradition of. And that is, how do we know that Balak hired Bilam? How do we know that they brought Karbanos and that Mizbeach? How do we know that Bilam tried to curse us? How do we know that it turned to blessing? We never saw it. Our parents never saw it. Our grandparents never saw it. Nobody saw it. Says the Chassam Soifer in Shalzut Shuvas in Yaradeya Simen Shinnon Vav Mi Higid Lano Mahoya Bein Melech Mayav Uvein Koisem Echad Bilam Shabai Lav El Arzai Vilama Ba Umi Hevioi Umi Yada Shabanim Mizbechais Mi Ba Besoidam We were in the Midbar. Even Moshe didn't know. Parshas Bilam is the only Parsha in the Torah. That we have to totally rely on the Navu of Moshe Rabbeinu. In other words, let's say someone who's Mamin Bechala Tarakula, he says, Parshas Bilam, I don't know, nobody saw it. He's a Kaifer. So, uh, Parshas Bilam has a very interesting dichotomy. Parshas Bilam was Torah without Moshe, because it was Bilam's level of Nevuah that gave it a status of Torah. On the other hand, we need Moshe in a sense more than any other parsha because we only know it only because of the Nevuah of Moshe Rabbeinu, and nobody else saw it. But using this approach of Rabbi Yeshua Leib Diskin, that the prophecy of Bilam is what created and gave a status of Torah to Parshas Bilam, Parshas Balak. We now understand, and I heard this many years ago from Rabbi Isaac Bernstein, and the truth is, if I would have just seen this Rabbi Shuleib Diskin inside, it would be very hard to explain. It's a very uh, sophisticated exposition, but he explained it masterfully and very creatively, that... Prophecy is you see an image and then the intuition shines on your soul. And that is why Moshe Rabbeinu, who had Asbaklai HaMeira, was on the highest level of Nevuah. But Hashem couldn't trust Bilam, so he had to just give him the message precisely and that's what gave it the status of Torah. Now, says Rabbi Bernstein, and I believe this is found in the Sefer Imre Chain. Now we understand why there are no Pez and Samachs in the Parsha. You know what the objective of a pay in the Samach is? Moshe Rabbeinu was shown an image. And then the intuition, the interpretation was illuminated on his soul. But come on, give the man a chance to absorb and to integrate and to fully master and comprehend what he just did. He saw a picture and he had to interpret it. Hashem gave him the intuition, but give him a chance. You have to give the man a chance to absorb what he just did. It was it was a complex process. But we don't need a pay in Samach and Parshas Balak. Because we don't need the Nevu of Moshe Rabbeinu. When do we need a pay in Samach? When does Moshe Rabbeinu need a moment to pause and to reflect and to contemplate? That's if he's using his uh, methodology of Nevuah. So we need to give the man a, a break. He's a Basavadam also. He also needs a momentless boy name, Bain Parsha Parsha. Not Parsha's Balak. 
no hispainanus is needed because we're not reliant on the nevuah of Moshe. These par- this parsha was given word for word. Hashem says, here it is, take it. There's nothing to study, there's nothing to comprehend. Here it is, we're not using the nevuah of Moshe Rabbeinu. So that is the reason, says Rabbi Bernstein, based on this Rabbi Shuleib Diskin, why there are no pauses in the narrative of Parshas Balak. And maybe this gives us an insight into why it is the most complimentary parsha in the Torah, because this is, so to speak, Torah in its rawest sense, without any middleman, without any degree of interpretation. If you want to know what God really thinks deep down, then you have to go into the rawest form of the mind of Hashem, so to speak. This week's parsha, and the Yvonne Shalom says, Whatever I tell you, that's on the outside. That's through the middleman. But when it's just me and you, I want you to know, Matoivu Oyhalecha Yaakov Yisrael. Okay, Rabbi Say, thanks everyone for joining. There happens to be another way to learn this Gemara, and that's the method of the Gra and the Tikkunei Zayar. Maybe we'll see uh, on a different occasion. And wishing everyone a great day. I want to take the opportunity, Bez Hashem, July 4th weekend, we have a trip to um, Hungary, Bratislava, Ukraine, and uh, Belarus. There are still spots available. If anybody wants to join us, please contact us. You could go on to our site, rabbidg.com, and uh, it would be a pleasure to have you. Amar Rabbi, say have a great day. Kaltov.